the Marlins are coming off a series win at home against the Detroit Tigers, and they will finish this homestand with a four-game series against the division rival Philadelphia Phillies. And record-wise, the Phillies and the Marlins, they're neck and neck right now in that wild card race. So it is so important that the Marlins can win this series. Hopefully take three out of four or sleep is unlikely, but I would hope that they could sweep. That's best-case scenario again. The odds of that happening are very low. But the Marlins are getting Jazz Chisholm back, and things are looking good in Miami right now. Hopefully they can have a good series. We'll recap all of that um, stuff from this past weekend against Detroit, Miguel Cabrera's return, and the Marlins had their best crowd since uh, April 2017 on Saturday. And then we'll look ahead to this upcoming series against the Phillies and just talk about some other topics, trade deadline stuff, all of that coming up on the Marlins HQ podcast. Thirty stays uh, as well, and now this one is hit per- Ooh. Oh, and Dale. count for Elder and for four innings. And now three, one to four. All right, y'all, what's going on? Welcome back to the Marlins HQ podcast. I am your host, Ryan Schlesinger. You can follow me on Twitter at Marlins Ryan. And thank you for making the Marlins HQ podcast a part of your day. And the Marlins are coming off, as I just mentioned before, coming off a two out of three series win against Detroit. And they actually struggled. They could have definitely been swept in this series. Um, But again, this team continues to be resilient. And they came away with two wins and one really, really rough loss when things were looking terrible. They get shut out by the Detroit Tigers. And that was a bullpen game pretty much for the Tigers. Something that you can't do. That was one of their worst games of the season. They lose five to nothing. Cueto, who was just an inning-eating role after he didn't get any run support at all, and he gave up three runs in the second inning. Um, It felt like, you know, the Marlins need to score runs, but also Cueto needed to keep them in the game. And he he did a decent job after that. Six innings pitched, gave up just one more earned run, and he struck out five. Again, not a great performance, but he he did his job, and – it's unfortunate because this this wouldn't have been looked at as such a bad outing if the Marlins could score a decent amount of runs because four earned runs given up in six innings, that's not bad. That's just average. But the Marlins could do anything with the bats. I mean, they were stranding so many runners. It is really, really frustrating how many runners the Marlins stranded in that game. The Marlins had seven hits and no runs. That is that is not acceptable. Luis Arise, too. He had two hits. Solaire had one hit. Gary Cooper had a hit. Dane Myers had a hit. A, a lot of players had a hit. Uh, Jacob Stallings with a hit. Gene Segura with a hit. But th- nobody could s- knock in guys with runners in scoring position. Really frustrating. But Akil Badu's three-run homer in the second inning really uh, won it for the Tigers because the Marlins are already down 3 nothing in a big hole. and they, they could not do anything. But in front of a massive crowd of... Nearly 35,000. Let me get the total attendance number on this game. Total attendance number on this game, 32,936. Again, that's the most they've had since April of 2017. Those days are long gone. That was before the Marlins rebranded. That was back when they had orange in their logo and uniforms. When Giancarlo Stanton, JT Realmuto, Christian Yelich, Marcelo Zuna. That was when those guys were on the team. So, again, it's pretty... Pretty cool that the Marlins had their best attendance in six years. 
very happy about that. That was also when Ichiro Suzuki was a Marlin, just to put it into perspective how long ago that was. But Jazz Chisholm coming back. I'm very excited about Jazz um, because it is proven that the Marlins play a lot better when Jazz is on in the lineup. He he provides that extra spark. He's got a ton of power for a second baseman. And um, again, I'm very, very thrilled to have Jazz back. It was announced that he's expected to join back the team today. Not sure if he'll be in the lineup. Uh, for some reason, I have a feeling that He's going to be on the bench, and Skip will maybe use him in a pinch hit role, and I'll be starting tomorrow on Tuesday, which I might go to the game tomorrow. Not sure yet, but I'm going to try to go to the ballpark for one of the games in this series against the Phillies. But if we look at the wild card race right now in the National League, really, really big that the Marlins were able to win two out of three and just win that series in general against the Tigers because you can't lose series to the Tigers when you're a contending team when you're trying to get in. Uh, when you're trying to get a wild card spot, but the Marlins currently are tied for the second wild card spot slash third wild card spot with the Milwaukee Brewers, who now lost their division lead. They are now out of first place. The Reds are in first place in the NL Central, but they're tied with the Brewers at 57 and 49. And then the Giants have the first wild card spot. They're a game ahead of everyone, and then the Phillies just a half a game back of us of that uh, second slash third wild card spot. So you need to win tonight to maintain that wild card spot. And uh, you also need teams like the Diamondbacks to lose. They're now a full game out of it. And the Cubs, who went on that massive winning streak, and they have won eight of their last ten. And they they recently lost to the Cardinals uh, last night to snap the streak. But a great streak by the Cubs, and now they're in it. They're going to be buying. So no Marcus Stroman being dealt at the deadline. And Cody Bellinger will be staying in the north side of Chicago. And then the Padres are also trying to fight. And they're five games out. Doesn't seem like they'll be selling. The Mets, six and a half games out, but I wouldn't include them because they're selling. They already traded Max Scherzer to the Rangers, and they traded David Robertson to your very own Miami Marlins. And they might even trade Justin Verlander to the Dodgers. Um, but Justin Verlander, it seems like he'll be leaving too, along with Max Scherzer and everyone Going into the season, everyone was hyping up, oh, what a duo, Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, they're reuniting, they were together in Detroit, now they're in Queens together, and they're, they, both of them might be gone, already one of them is gone, but both of them might be gone about three months after everyone was saying that, so it's just funny, um, but I gotta talk about AJ Puck, because this has been really frustrating what's going on with Puck. A lot of people are saying we lost the Bladé tr trade. I wouldn't go that far. It's not like J.J. Bladé is raking with the athletics. I've seen just based off highlights. He's hitting a few home runs. Um, if we look at his stats on the season, a 212 batting average, that doesn't provide much value. And with the way that the Marlins are playing this season, J.J. Bladé would not be on the major league team if if that puck for Bladé trade never went down. He does have eight home runs. Uh, so he's showing that he has potential. Uh, to have some power in that bat, but not not very impressive from J.J. Bleday. That's across 203 at-bats, by the way. Um, so I wouldn't go that far to say that we lost the trades. I don't think is going to do anything. But Puck, he has so much potential, and something's just been off with him. Um, if we look at his splits, so in April, he, was, he actually had a 0.00 ERA. He did not give up a run in April. I don't think enough people talked about that, but it doesn't matter anymore. 
That was in 10 games. He had 3-0 record, so a great month of April. Then in May, he had a 13.50 ERA, but that was, again, in a very small sample size. Just four games pitched, and then he kind of had a dead arm. He had to go to the IL. And then June came around, came back off the IL, pitched in 11 games, a 2.61 ERA. And he looked good. He looked back to normal. And then July comes, and oh, boy, there are countless blown saves I could name. The one uh, in the Rockies game after the great Jesus Lazardo start, the Marlins still won that, but uh, Puck nearly lost the game for the Fish. And then, the, of course, probably the most memorable one was the one against the Phillies' Christian Pache. And Puck had another bad outing last night in the seventh inning. And he, he nearly lost this game for the Miami Marlins, but they took him out, brought in Jorge Lopez. Uh, Tanner Scott also pitched last night, and David Robertson got the save. But I, I really don't think Puck deserves a role with this team anymore. He's still going to be on the Major League rosters. You can't DFA him just yet. But if he keeps pitching like this, he's going to be DFA'd in a few weeks. Um, but you got to now give him uh, one of the worst roles in the bullpen. I think Soriano... Right now, George Soriano deserves to have a higher role by a mile in the bullpen that compared to A.J. Puck. George Soriano has been great. I say you pitch Puck in blowouts or just eat innings, and then George Soriano should be more middle relief uh, towards the back end of the bullpen. I think he deserves a chance to get some more high-leverage situations. George Soriano has been great. And when Andrew Nardi comes back, Nardi's coming back soon, I, I don't think you can send down Soriano even though he's been up and down. This season, I think he's he deserves a permanent spot on this team unless he starts pitching bad. A 1.98 ERA for George Soriano in 27 and a third of an inning this season. He's been really great in long relief pitching two and three innings when a starter isn't able to go for very long. So, yeah, I want to see Soriano get some high leverage spots. He actually found himself in a high leverage spot in the sixth inning in yesterday's game, and there were two runners on. He was able to get out of it and a really hype moment for George Soriano. I want to see uh, some, some uh, better situations for George Soriano. Um, but the question is, who do you send down now um, if you can't send down Soriano? And I don't think it's I don't think it's time for the Marlins to send down Puck just or DFA Puck just yet. He, he still has potential to be a lights out closer. Um, it, it's too risky to DFA him. But uh, the answer might be Oscar Brazobon because. You would have to DFA JT Shagwa if you want. You can't just send him down. You can send down Brazobon, though. And Brazobon, he hasn't been great. He hasn't been bad at 3.75 ERA this season and 50 and a third innings. Um, so he's been very average. But if you are if you have a 3.75 ERA, he's been struggling more as of lately. I'll pull up his splits right now. George Soriano in the month of... I mean, sorry, Huascar Brazobon in the month of July, a 5.06 ERA. He was very on and off. April, he was really good, 2.87 ERA. May, he had a 5.11 ERA. And then June, another good month for him, 2.79 ERA. And then uh, lately, he's he's been pitching terrible. Um, so if you get the inconsistency of Huascar Brazobon, I think you, you could still send him down. He is old which I did not even realize he is 33 years old, but I don't think there's a big need for Waskar Brazobon to be on the Marlins major league roster. We're going to take a break here on the Marlins HQ podcast. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Abba Sayil Garcia. 
He made his return yesterday, and he actually looked really good. We'll talk about all that and a little bit more when we come back for the second half of this Marlins HQ podcast. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Marlins HQ podcast. And I want to talk about Avi Garcia, who, again, the whole Marlins fan base, they've been trashing on Avi, and rightfully so, because he's been really bad during his time with the Marlins after he signed that big contract coming off a good season with the Milwaukee Brewers, where he nearly hit 30 bombs. He hit 29 homers and a 262 batting average that season, the OPS plus. 119. So he looked like he could be a really serviceable player for the Marlins. I still think even at that time, before we knew that he would be a bust, or at least up to now he's been a bust. Um, I think I still think it was an overpay. Four years, $53 million, but the Marlins really wanted him, so they were willing to pay him that price. It hasn't worked out so far. Um, but that was one of Kim Egg's first moves in free agency. Um, but so far for Avi, a 221 batting average in his time with the Marlins. That's in 121 games. But yesterday was a sign of encouragement. He played his first game since April. And Avasayo Garcia picked up two hits and um, two of his outs. He was two for four. But two of those uh, times when he was retired, one of them was a really, really hard ground ball to first base. It ended up being a double play. But it was just unlucky. I believe he hit that ball over 100 miles per hour. And then another, and then his other out was not a strikeout. We're used to seeing obvious strikeouts. It was a fly ball to the opposite field in right center. And it was hit well off the end of the bat. It had some, uh, it had some authority in it. But he kind of just missed a home run or a double into the gap. He got under it a little bit too much. But two hard outs and two base hits for Avi Garcia, including his first triple since 2019. And back in 2019, Avi Garcia was a Tampa Bay Ray. So it's been quite some time since Avi hit a triple, but he hit a triple, and that kind of got the Marlins rally started. They were down early, four to nothing. Um, Jesus Lazardo did not have his stuff yesterday, and then a five, a four-run fifth inning to tie it up, and that all started pretty much from Avi Garcia's big triple. Um, so I really like what I'm seeing from Avi, but it's only been one game. He was hitting well on the rehab assignment too, though. Hit a couple home runs with Jacksonville. Um, we'll have to wait and see if maybe we could get a little resurgence out of Avi, but I don't have much expectations. If he could just do better than he was uh, the last time we saw Avasayo Garcia earlier this season and um, last season where he played 98 games, hit 224, and then this season 23 games, all of those in the month of April. Well, 22 of those in the month of April, and uh, just a 205 batting average, 70 OPS plus. So if we could get anything better than that, every, anything closer to league average, I would take it from Avi Garcia because he has just not been great for the Marlins, and that's saying the least. Finally, we're going to talk about some trade deadline targets for the Marlins. Um, the starting pitching market is kind of running low. Lucas Giolito has already been dealt. He's going to the Angels. 
And then, they, well, the Angels also made a move uh, with the Rockies. They get C.J. Crone and they get Randall Gritchup. And then now Max Scherzer's going to the Rangers, so no South Beach Max Scherzer. And some other guys have also been dealt, including Jordan Montgomery going to the Texas Rangers. So the Rangers got two guys. And then Jordan Hicks, if we're talking about relievers, he went to the Blue Jays. But the Marlins already got their signature relievers. They got two of them, Jorge Lopez. And their new closer, David Robertson, we'll talk about his outing in just a moment. But one guy I wanted to look at is Michael Lorenzen. It's pretty obvious, or I'm pretty sure, that the Detroit Tigers are going to trade Michael Lorenzen. He was an all-star this year, and he's having a pretty good season, a 3.58 ERA. He had a few outings when he didn't have his stuff. But um, when he does have his stuff, he's a pretty solid pitcher, and he could be a nice uh, third starter for the Marlins. I, I still think Lazardo. And Sandy, the way they've been pitching recently, they're ahead of Lorenzen, but I think Lorenzen could be a nice third starter. Then the rotation would look like, well, we don't know if Edward Cabrera would have to be dealt to get Michael Lorenzen. I don't think so. Maybe you would. Ha- maybe the Tigers would have to include another player, a prospect or a major league ready. If Edward Cabrera gets dealt, you could trade Cabrera and a prospect for Lorenzen and a prospect or a major league player. We don't know how it'll go, but... No, there is uncertainty about Edward Cabrera being with the Marlins after Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. That is when the uh, trade deadline is. But, man, I, I really want to get Lorenzen, and I also would like to get a guy like Eduardo Rodriguez, too. By the way, Michael Lorenzen is 31 years old, but Eduardo Rodriguez is even older. No, he's actually not. I thought he was older. He's 30. And he's pitching lights out this season. A 2.95 ERA. He was a longtime Boston Red Sox. He made his debut with the Red Sox in 2015. He was with them all the way up until uh, 2021. And then he came over to Detroit in 2022. He's in his second season with the Tigers. He was pretty average last year. He's having a really good season. Again, 2.95 ERA and a 148 ERA plus 91 strikeouts across 88 and a third innings. I'd really like to see Eduardo Rodriguez, another Venezuelan, come over to the Marlins and join Luis Arise as the hitter-pitcher-Venezuelan duo. That would be cool. Um, but again, the, the asking price is high on him. I think Rodriguez and Lorenzen are both going to be dealt. But I, I want the Marlins to make a trade with the Tigers for a pitcher. That would be nice. Um, but if we're talking about uh, position players, I'd like to get Paul DeYoung from the Cardinals, a guy that's not on too many people's radar. Everyone's talking about Jamer Candelario, who's having a great season. But maybe Paul DeYoung could do something just to add some more depth to the Marlins. That would just that would probably mean if they trade for Paul DeYoung, that would probably mean they're buying low. But um, he does have potential. He's a one-time All-Star. He's hitting just 233 this season. But he's a pretty good defender over at shortstop. I think there's a chance that the Marlins acquire him. I don't think the asking price would be too much because the Cardinals are selling. They've already traded two pitchers, Jordan Montgomery and Jordan Hicks. We're not sure if Nolan Arenado will be traded at the deadline, Wilson Contreras. But I'm pretty sure that the Cardinals are going to make some more trades. Another guy I'd look at who the asking price would be a little higher for compared to Paul DeYoung is Lars Nupar, who's hitting 273 this season. He's still fairly young. 25 years old. He made his major league debut in 2021. But he does have some decent speed, seven stolen bases, good defense in the outfield, mostly playing left field. 
And I, I really like to have Lars Newbar. He played with Team Japan in the WBC. He had actually never been to Japan. Doesn't speak Japanese, but his his mom, I believe his mom is 50% Japanese, and he wanted to play there. I don't remember why, but I know there was a cool story behind it. And the Japanese uh, baseball fan base loved him during the WBC. He was a fan favorite. He played pretty good as well. But I think Lars Newbar would be a cool acquisition for the Marlins. We don't. We also don't know if Paul Goldschmidt's going anywhere. He's on a pretty big contract. If we look at Paul Goldschmidt's contract, he signed through 2024, so it's expiring, it's expiring soon, but a five-year, $130 million deal. So if the Cardinals are willing to pay some of that contract, eat up some of the money, and give Paul Goldschmidt to a contending team, maybe like the Tampa Bay Rays, or just any team that needs a first baseman or another bat, maybe plug him in at DH if you already have a decent um, first defensive first baseman, and I think Paul Goldschmidt could be dealt at the deadline. He was He's the reigning MVP. He's having another really good season. Not as good as last year when he won the MVP, but he does have a 280 batting average. So pretty impressive stuff from Paul Goldschmidt. And moving on from some trade targets um, at the deadline, we'll have to see what happens. But usually Kim Ang will pull off the unexpected, so it'll probably end up being a guy that not many people had on their radar, and I'll take it if he's good. Let's talk about David Robertson in his first outing as a Marlin, his first save opportunity. He looked lights out. Unlike A.J. Puck when he gets put in in a close game in the ninth inning, David Robertson had a smooth 1-2-3 inning. No base runners given up. It was just nice. Three consecutive outs, one of those being a strikeout. And I did not realize how much of a soft tosser David Robertson is, but it is fun to watch David Robertson pitch. He throws a lot of pitches. He throws his curveball a ton. That's his primary pitch. And usually 79 miles per hour to 82 miles per hour. It is fun watching David Robertson pitch. And if you were not able to catch the game yesterday, then you got to look forward to watching David Robertson because he, he is a very fun pitcher. He throws his curveball. 28% of the time, actually, so pardon me, I was wrong, but he was throwing his curveball a lot yesterday. I think that was the pitch he threw the most, or his slider, which he has thrown this season 80, 18% of the time, but he mainly uses that cutter 49% of the time. The average mile per hour is uh, 93 on that, but the curveball usually registers in at 84. Um, but I, I think he threw a 79-mile-per-hour pitch in that game. He was throwing pretty slow, and it, it was really fun to watch. And uh, David Robertson has been elite this season. His ERA after that scoreless inning in relief and the pick up the save for Robertson, his ERA is now at a clean 2.00. And he has been lights out for the Mets this season. And he's already one for one with the Marlins this season. If we look at his baseball savant, I think I already mentioned his savant in the previous episode. But the K rate is in the 78th percentile, a barrel percentage in the 83rd percentile, the whiff rate, 87th percentile, the fastball spin, even though he doesn't throw his fastball that much, 100th percentile, the chase rate in the 74th percentile, the curve spin in the 76th percentile. He's got some really nice breaking pitches, and I'm really excited for the future and for the rest of the season to see what we have in store with David Robertson as his career is going to come to an end soon. He's 38. He's the second oldest Marlin 
Um, you can comment below if you know who the oldest Marlin is. I'll give you a hint. He's a position player, and his name's not Johnny Cueto. He's the third oldest. That's going to do it here on the Marlins HQ podcast. Marlins will start a big four-game series against the Phillies tonight. I'll be tuning in tonight, and maybe I'll be at the ballpark tomorrow. I'll see you guys on the next episode later this week. Have a great day, and let's go Marlins.